unaussprechlichen Rampen. My name is Marco Visconti, and through this podcast I will invite fellow magicians, occultists, artists, and mystics to rumble along with them and my supporters on Patreon. By doing so, I hope to introduce you all to a much wider perspective on magic and what we get nowadays from occult social media, which is frankly beginning to feel very stale, repetitive, and uninspired. If you want to be part of one of the next episodes, Join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash marcovisconti by pledging at the Yezod tier or above. And now, on with the unspeakable rumbles. Good evening everyone and welcome to the 11th episode of Uno Sprechlichen Ramblen. It's been one year since we started this little adventure in podcasts. It's been a fun ride so far. So many things have changed into, in the last year. And I guess we are, we're living in interesting times because somebody has cursed us, clearly. <laughs> we could have lived in the most boring times. Instead, we are definitely ex experiencing interesting periods. Our guest tonight is Julia Turola. Julia is a person uh, that, that I met uh, some, was that, like 10, 12 years ago, many years ago. Um, it, feels, it feels like several lifetimes ago, actually, given everything that happened. But as usual, for, for the format of the podcast, I will introduce her with the words that she chose to introduce herself. And so Julia says that I'm a contemporary witch, a priestess, and a teacher in the Ara tradition. I graduated with honors in classical letters and archaeology and cultures of the ancient world from Alma Mater Studiorum, University of Bologna. My personal path focuses on the practice of witchcraft as an indigenous form of shamanism and aims to rediscover and rebuild the sacred net that binds us to the spirits and the gods of the place we live in. As a researcher of European witchcraft and magic in the ancient world, I have participated in many conferences and events both national and international. I remember, hello, Julia, how are you doing? Last time I saw you, you were in a conference here in, in London. Yeah, right before COVID, wasn't it? Yes, it was, <laughs> it was my uh, birthday weekend. It's the first weekend of June for the Magical Women Conference. That was, that was oh. a great night. Yeah, and I'm very happy to have, uh, you know, been there also because uh, after, of course, COVID hit and then Brexit hit. And so now <laughs> and the I am. The rest of the world hit, exactly. Yeah, and now, you know, now I am a dirty EU immigrant. And so I don't know when <laughs> I will be able to go there again. You know, I love the fact that uh, we're, what, like five minutes into the podcast. We already said something completely unacceptable. Perfect. I love it. Uh, that's it. That's what we Italians do. Uh, that's... So, <laughs> where, do we start? where do we go from here? Uh, first of all, it's a pleasure to have you here tonight uh, with us and I would say why don't why, why don't we remember us the time when we first met when, when was that um, it was a pagan pride internet in pagan pride day uh, right? yeah it was a pagan pride day uh, a lifetime ago I think it was a, at least 10 years ago I think it was like 2009 or 10. So yeah, you're right. Yes. It, it was, I mean, we remember when like the world was a different place. Everything was beautiful. Yeah. It wasn't really. <laughs> it's no. 
and apparently, you always like to remind remind me that the first one of the first interactions we proper interaction we had was me asking you to drink from your from, because you were making what meat or something. Like that. Yeah, no, actually, that interaction really showed you know your scale of values because like. <laughs> Because, like, listen, there was this very nice guy who had brought his mead with him, like homemade mead, and uh, he wasn't sloppy like me, you know, he really did the whole process of fermentation and so on and so on. Uh, whereas uh, I am a different kind of girl and uh, I just brought, uh, you know, a mead that was less time consuming, but way more alcoholic like three times more, you know? And uh, you were there sipping that mead and I was sharing mine and I asked you, do you want some? And you said, you know, with a very aristocratic uh, <laughs> face, you said, oh no, thank you. I'm all, you know, I'm done. I have mine here. And I said, yes, but mine, you know, is way more alcoholic. And you tasted it immediately, of course. And then you just dropped the other one on the ground as if it suddenly became piss, you know? <laughs> and uh, that yes. was how we met. <laughs> um, that is something that happened. And I remember it very fondly. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, the, one, of, one of the things we do in, on this podcast is that we, we, don't, we have no filters. Like we, on this podcast, I invited old people that I consider friends and we're just like, no filters whatsoever. I think at some point I will get kicked out of Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> for the things we say here, but you know what? We're gonna live dangerously. Uh, now that we set the tone, uh, I would like to ask you everything about you, really. Maybe not everything. Uh, let's start with the Ara tradition. This is something that, uh, I mean, I, I know about it because uh, uh, I was exposed to it. I was never an initiate like you are, but I was exposed to it during the, during the years that we were both going to the Pagan Pride Day. And by the way, if those of you listening don't know what it is, uh, the Pagan Pride Day was, uh, it's, I guess it still is, an event organized in Rome every autumn equinox. And for the longest time, it was the only neo-pagan esoteric event in Italy. Full stop. There was nothing else. Uh, it, it started in 2001, and I remember attending it the first ones, and then I really started to become um, one of the people that got involved in the organization of it. Uh, well, more, more like running the day uh, around 2007, 2008. And uh, so when me and Julia met, I was really like, I was, I was one of the, the people helping on there, um, you know, the, the, the things going. I was doing some of my first seminars. On what the Linda Felorius Tree of Night actually was done at the uh, at the yeah. Pagan Pride, and then we had a couple of um, I was like kind of retreats during the summer when we went to the Temple of Nemi. Uh, I don't know if you were there actually. No, no, yeah. I wasn't there, but I have been told many interesting stories about that. But yeah, let's never, let's never, let's never go. <laughs> I mean, if you weren't there, that's good. We can pass on. Uh, yes, uh, many a thing happened in the Temple of, of Diana mm -hmm. in Nemi, mm -hmm. but uh, we will maybe we will. We <laughs> remind them another day. Uh, I will do a solo, a solo, a solo podcast. Um, so anyway, I was exposed to the Ara tradition and Felix Curot, which was, if I'm not mistaken, is is the the high priestess that started the tradition. What can you tell us more about it? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, like in Italy, we have the Tempio di Ara which is the Italian branch, so to say, of the Temple of Our Tradition, and. Uh, the Temple of Ara is uh, a tradition that stems, you know, from uh, Wicca, as uh, Phyllis Curo has um, 
uh, Garnerian uh, lineage, and she was initiated uh, into the Minoan tradition in New York. Uh, but actually, at the same time in which she was uh, um, doing her training into this Minoan tradition, she was also training with the very first uh, uh, circle, you know, the Guinea pigs, so to say, <laughs> of uh, Michael Arners, that was just uh, starting with his uh, experimentation with the core shamanism, um, of what would be later become, you know, the foundation for shamanic studies. And uh, so for Phyllis, it was like quite natural. It was not like she got this training into uh, initiatory Wicca, and then she decided, you know, to spice things up and put a little bit of shamanism into it. It was like the two things were really intertwined from the very beginning. And um, it's also a tradition that, uh, like, it's like we recognize, you know, sometimes, uh, here I am going to say more unacceptable things. I really please, please. Uh, you no, called that's... me for this, right? Exactly. Uh... <laughs> I mean, uh, there was a there was a segment I used to do on Instagram called Magic and Spice. So, so you can imagine, like, please bring the spice over. It. <laughs> it's like you know, um, very often. Uh, in Italy, especially, uh, we have this kind of discussions like, oh, is this uh, really uh, Wicca or is it something else? Can you call it Wicca? And so on and so on and so on. And so, um, like, <laughs> we don't really like to be all bashful about it, of course. I mean, of course, it stems from uh, initiatory Wicca. It would be very dumb to say something else. like many other people do like you know they take very freely from what are what is wicca or other neo-pagan traditions and then they try to hide it by using uh, different names and titles which is of course ridiculous for everyone that has done a little bit of groundwork but uh, at the same time it's also true that uh, the other tradition really um went another way in many different ways, you know, like uh, there has been uh, some sort of deconstruction made about uh, what we at least perceive to be uh, some of the most um, patriarchal, you know, parts of uh, Wicca and also parts that are still very rooted in a vision of the world and of spirits uh, 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 that is pretty monotheistic in a way and you know the detachment between spirit and matter and so on and so on and so on and so like uh, i couldn't argue if someone came to me like uh, someone who is following you know of course the what what in america is called the british traditional wicca but it's just Gardnerian or alexandrian wicca in europe and would come to me and say but like you are not really wicca you can't call yourself wicca anymore that's fine by me. Like I don't give a shit, you know. <laughs> and I can also, I can also agree. In fact, uh, to a point, I agree with them, and that's why I don't say I am um, a high uh, priestess of Wicca, you know, course, because yeah, sure. it wouldn't be uh, entirely correct. So uh, uh, that's the thing. And uh, I guess I, uh, I used to joke, but it's not really a joke. It's uh, there is a very big chunk of truth in that that um, I think I ended up in the other tradition for two main reasons. And one of them is that, uh, like I, I think that uh, Phyllis is not only a wonderful teacher, but also a wonderful human being. And uh, in the other tradition, I have met uh, some of the best people I have really met in the 
so-called occult or neo-pagan community. Um, and uh, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. We are still here after years and years and years, and we are not at each other's throat, which is, I think, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty rare. And the coming from the OTO, yes, I can tell you, it's pretty rare. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's uh, like uh, same story everywhere. Uh, and uh, the other reason I think is that uh, they would have me as I am. You know, which, as you know, is not uh, something so <clears throat> easy to find. Easy to accept, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> One thing that I want to ask you is, you mentioned, right, that Phyllis Kurt's background and so what mm -hmm. transpired in the Ira tradition has many, I mean, it, yeah, it stems from Wicca in a way, or at least, you know, like almost like, I don't want to say like reconstructive witchcraft, but let's say uh, a witchcraft-like practice and the more shamanic approach, like from Michael Harner and and, and, and onwards. Uh, what I noticed is that, you know, back when, when we first met, but even before, right, there was not so much discussion about, you know, the work, working with spirits, working with the genius logi, mm -hmm. working with, in a sh like, shamanism was still something that was kind of, like, scoffed in neo-pagan uh, communities. Mm -hmm. Possibly it changed from the very beginnings, because when I speak with some gardenerians here in London that are, that are you know, that, that, have, that have ties with, the, with Gardner first coven, they always tell me, no, actually, you know, the original gardenerian tradition is very shamanic. It kind of, like the, all the ceremonial part you know, got mm -hmm. added later. Uh, but what I'm, what I'm getting there is that, what I'm getting to say is that um, we're now living in, in a world where there's a lot of discourse around the genius logic. There's a lot of discourse around, you know, working with spirit of place, with, you know, walking and being in the land. So in many ways, we can say that the era was a precursor to what happened yeah. now, pretty much. Uh, do you think that, so people that are interested in that kind of approach to magic, you know, less lodge and more wood, if you want, mm -hmm. can find a, a good place to be in the era tradition? I'll... Or, 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 or should there be other, other point, other, other things to tick, right? Other boxes to tick. Uh, well, I think that uh, I'm not joking when I say that the main, you know, um, prerequisite to be to really find yourself at home in the Arab tradition is having a fucking sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> because if you don't have that, you don't survive long. But uh, apart from that, I would say that mm, it's true what you're saying about, you know, nowadays, and of course, there are trends, you know, in magic, like in everything else. And uh, shamanism and animism have been the big thing for a while. And now, as we will see later, you know, folk Catholicism uh, and uh, so on and so on. Um, uh, I think that what I really like about the art tradition is that um, there is a sort of a core, you know, method, a, a way in which you approach uh, spirits and you approach magic that is common to everybody. And uh, sort of a vision of what magic should be and uh, what our role as uh, human beings that practice magic in this world um, how it should be. But at the same time, uh, you also have lots of freedom. Like, for example, I am a person, I have um, probably between the teachers and the priestesses and priests of the Temple of Ara, I am the one that is um, most interested in like also, you know, ceremonial magic and of course ancient uh, magical techniques uh, and um, very folk, you know, 
uh, uh, say traditional as much as we can say that witchcraft. Uh, but for me, like I don't feel that, that this, all these elements are disconnected in my practice and it all fits uh, very well into the mold of the Tempio di Ara in Italy. Yeah. But other people have different focuses. So it's not like uh, it's a tradition in which you need uh, to choose between, uh, I don't know, uh, being, you know, immersed in nature and just uh, communicating with nature spirits yeah. or, you know, uh, having, uh, dealing with the demons or different kinds of spirits. You can do it all as long as the, um, the frame of your work is the same. Gotcha. I understand. Well, it's, it seems like it, it's something that possibly some of you listening to this could be interested in. And again, I will leave the links uh, in the description below, as it as you used to say, so that everybody who's curious can go and find themselves into this new experience. Now, you mentioned something that <laughs> I know that we were going to get there eventually. So you mentioned folk Catholicism, right? Um, there has been a lot of chat and discourse around folk Catholicism in the last few months. And I I, ha I had to say my part, obviously, as, as always happens. Uh, and I, I did a couple of videos, one, one video on, on, on YouTube, uh, where I was addressing what I f personally find problematic. Uh, as an Italian, growing up in Italy, uh, trying to find my way into magical culture and the various esoteric milieus, I always faced a big problem, and the big problem was that the Italian Italy is, is an, Italian culture is steeped in Catholicism, and that means it's steeped in bigotry, it's steeped in uh, abuse, it's steeped in violence. Um, most people listening to this, you may not realize that uh, you you could get a lot of shit for being an occultist, a witch, a pagan in Italy up until maybe I mean I've, I'm pretty sure it still happens in smaller see in smaller towns. But I, I was I grew up in Rome and I was getting shit up until the mid two thousands. To be fair, uh, then things started to even themselves out a little bit. But the problem is that there's always a huge component of reactionary worldview in Italy. And I think in, in every Catholic country, because when I speak with Pol, uh, Poles, when I speak with Irish people, when I speak with people in Spain, they'll tell me the same, right? Also, uh, to the point is that why, why is everybody so fascinated with folk, with folk Catholicism right now? And I'm not speaking about the those 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 uh, strands of folk Catholicism that really are uh, ATR, you know, uh, or African well, African diaspora religions. I'm not speaking of Santeria, of Lukumi. I'm not speaking of Hoodoo. I'm speaking of white Americans mostly thinking that Catholicism is magic and cool and witchy. Uh, so, what do you have to say on that? Well, I mean. If you put everything, you know, side by side with Protestant Christianity, everything seems very esoteric right. and occult and magical. Because I think that's probably like if you if you would ask um, an AI to create a magicless religion, you would probably end up with something very very similar to that. So I think that's part of the fascination. You know, the fact that, of course, uh, you know, if you look at the history of magic, uh, everything that is foreign, that sounds very exotic, uh, yeah. is, of course, uh, it's a plus, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think that it also pairs up with the fact that in the later um, 
years, at least in the last decade, people have become more and more aware about the issue of cultural, cultural appropriation. And so going to find this uh, exotic you know, element in uh, ATR, like you were saying, or other types of uh, um, traditional indigenous, so to say, magic and traditions yeah. and so on and so on, um, has become more problematic. And uh, of course, you know, uh, folk Catholicism and Catholicism can be perceived as some sort of solution, I think. Mm -hmm. Like you get to uh, get that foreign exotic element, but at the same time, you are not appropriating because how can you appropriate from a religion that has been so wildly, very often violently, you know, uh, imperialistic? Yeah. So that's one point. And, and there is also another point that I think is uh, like cultural difference between uh, um, Europeans and Americans, but also Italians and other Europeans. But I don't know if you want to delve into that. Well, uh, I mean, one thing, one thing that I would like to ask you, as a practicing witch and as an Italian, right? Uh, what are what are the differences that you see between what we know of Italian witchcraft? That is, what we call stregoneria. Uh, I also pronounce it kind of English. I don't know why I'm Italian, and uh, you know, and 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 I don't know. That's the strigeria of Raven Grimassi, because we, <laughs> for those of you who are not on YouTube uh, on on because you don't see the video, uh, um, Julia just face palmed hard. <laughs> so anyway, I I need to ask you that because um, I'm telling you, I'm still seeing a lot of people in the occult sphere nowadays trying to find not i don't want to say justifications but just that i don't even want to say that trying to say you know like the strigary of ravi grimassi is valid it could be valid right you know at the end of the day we're working with myth we're working myth creation uh and practice and tools you know magical tools i mean I, I would argue that you can create a religion out of everything but i still see people that say that that is the real italian <laughs> tradition uh, what can you yeah. tell us i have a very strong opinions about this I'm happy, I'm happy to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, as you were saying, the issue is not really like, I get the, very often, I get the impression that uh, especially American people, uh, and I'm sorry I'm saying American, but of course I mean people from the USA, um, they have this idea in their mind, they feel self-defensive up to a point, because I think that they think we are trying to tell them that they're not allowed, you know, to um, touch those practices and that we have the one and only way, you know, the one and only Italian witchcraft. That's their idea. Like I, I found very, very emblematic the fact that, uh, do you remember there was that awful, awful show uh, like uh, Luna Nera, you know? On, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, it was awful. For anyway, those of you, wait, wait a second, for those of you who don't know, um, if, you, if you have a VPN, you can access Netflix Italy. I don't know why you would want to do it, but if you do it, you can watch a show that is dubbed in English as well called Luna Nera, uh, but it's Dark Moon, Black Moon. Um, and now Julia's going to tell us what she thinks about it. Yeah, no, I, I didn't have the fortitude to actually watch it, you know, but uh, um, there was this um, review, I think it was on The Wild Hunt, 
And uh, right there at the, at the beginning, it was explained that uh, this, you know, series was talking about uh, Stregeria, which is actually, you know, uh, I, I don't remember exactly the phrasing, but it was like uh, uh, Stregeria is actually very ancient and serious uh, uh, tradition in Italy and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And so, of course, uh, I, I couldn't, you know, uh, <laughs> you couldn't bring yourself. No? <laughs> And uh, I made a comment saying, uh, listen, you know, Stregeria is fine. I mean, if you want to follow that, that's fine for, by you, if it works for you. But please don't say that it's uh, a very ancient and serious Italian tradition of witchcraft, because it simply is not, like it's false, you know? And uh, this, I remember this man answered me very, you know, he was very angry and he was arguing as if I was trying to say that, you know, our witchcraft or my witchcraft or I don't know what he was thinking about is the only one. Mm. But the fact is that, you know, that's a straw man argument. Mm -hmm. We like the fact is that there is no such thing as the Italian tradition of stregeria or stregoneria or witchcraft. You know, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in Italy. It doesn't exist in the US. It doesn't exist anywhere in that way in the way in which we think of you know a tradition like when we spoke when we speak about uh, um neo-pagan traditions or i don't know esoteric orders or in that you know structured way yeah. it doesn't exist and so as you were saying uh, uh, of course stregeria can work you know everything can work uh but the jedi cult can work, can work yeah. <laughs> i must see it please no no judge <laughs> but the issue is when you try to present it as something it is not and of course you try to present it in that way because you have something to gain and there is that you know exotic and foreign element we were speaking about before and uh, that is very like Mm, of course, Stregeria, Reven Grimassi, Stregeria, like nobody, almost nobody knows it in it about it about yeah. it in Italy. <laughs> and those who know it are pretty much angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Something that, that came to my mind actually, uh, because Luna by the way, Jessica is telling us the Lunanera is on Netflix UK. Yeah. You want to so if you want to do that. You are so lucky, you can watch <laughs> it too. <laughs> Actually, Jessica also wanted to ask you a question and that she would like to know um, what, how, how your work in academia has influenced you in any way in your practice. And for instance, you know, she makes the point of, you know, mm -hmm. thinking of the work of Carlo Ginzburg, which is obviously mm -hmm. it's been one of the uh, landmark um, professors in, in, in ethno studies. And of course, it, 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 you know, the men and Dante are mentioned in the Lunan era. So I think this is the perfect cue in from Lunan era to Carlo Ginsburg and the academia. How does, how do, how do you reconcile your academic work and your, and your practical work, magical work? Uh, well, of course, you know, my, uh, academic training i think has made me more of a pain in the ass both towards myself and towards others of course uh mm, so i couldn't uh, like cop out in a way by saying by believing that this and that were you know uh, these ancient traditional cults uh, passed on by these uh, beautiful women uh, etc etc uh, 
but uh, in a way it has it has not been that much of a struggle at least for me it's not still today uh, because you know of course scholarly speculation only goes so far and it was uh, i was joking with uh, a friend of mine uh, a while ago that very very often when i read you know some scholarly speculation about this spell or that traditional uh, magical technique and they are there like arguing many many different scholars arguing over the same point and you go there and as a practitioner it's evident you know what the meaning of that passage is or like it was that was very funny because i remember these two scholars arguing with one another like why this, you know, um, practitioner, um, this very, very old practitioner has decided to do this when in this other uh, manual, this technique is described in this other way. And they were trying to find very, very strange outlandish uh, reasons, but the reason is that it was obvious that that was an idiot and he just <laughs> got it wrong, you know? <laughs> he copied it in the wrong way and he didn't understand what he was supposed to do. Um, so uh, I think that's the, actually the part that I like the most about what I do, like making the two things, you know, um, work hand in hand. Like, for example, in this last, um, there is this um, course, like this online course that I teach on female witchcraft in the ancient world. And uh, there is like, it's mostly, you know, uh, archeological and historical stuff, of course, presented for people that are not, that don't have necessarily a training in the field. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, like I put in a, a bonus work because I just couldn't stop myself. And uh, we did this, uh, I, I was discussing the fact that we have so very few uh, clear informations about what the original drawing down the moon by Thessalian witches was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, we decided with the very restricted uh, group of wonderful witches friends to do this necromancy operation with uh, the spirits of the Salian witches. And uh, I put it in there because like, you know, it was obvious for me. It was a normal um, thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but it's also very important for me to, uh, like we were saying with Stregeria, you know, to keep things very clear, like, this is, you know, historical work, archaeological work. These are the sources. And this is my own magical work, or I don't know how you want to call it, UPG, whatever, you know. Yeah. But honesty about that is paramount. That is one of my really big pet peeves, you know, when people are not clear about the boundaries between these two fields. Well, okay. So I would say, you pretty much single-handedly solved the problem of ethic versus versus amic approach in ethnography, right? It's like it's just just perfect. Like we 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 got it, we got it, folks. That's it. <laughs> um, you were mentioning that you're 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 teaching courses online. This is something new. You, where 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 can this be found? Usually, I always ask this question at the end, but it's here. No. Tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us where where all of this. What what do you teach online? We can we can this. Where can we find it? Well, actually, I've just uh, renovated, uh, entirely renovated my website, which is um, uh, boscodiartemisia.com. 
and uh, I, I will put I will put the thing in the yeah in the because, because I, I understand, understand Voskuri Artemisia, but I think it's three people here understand what yeah. you're and uh, actually, I have decided to, like, I was offering my online courses that, of course, you know, um, are all spacing inside my range of interests. So uh, ancient magical techniques and uh, um, ancient magical materia. I am also uh, translating right now a course that I offered um, that is about working with green spirits, so spirits of the plants. But I also decided, since I was offering my own courses in two languages, like both Italian and uh, English, to do the same thing, because I, I know so many great teachers that are, you know, either Italian and they don't know English, or they are English, American, Anglophone, and they don't know Italian. And so I decided to get in touch with these uh, people that are usually also friends, and to uh, act as a translator as well. So I am also translating these people courses if they're Anglophone into Italian and if they're Italian into English. But, uh, and that's the way in which this um, academy, you know, is evolving, but yeah. I am not going to enlarge it uh, too, too much, much because, yeah. yeah, because I like to keep a, a very a close circle of uh, both good teachers and good practitioner, and also I think good uh, human beings. That's 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 a very good, that's a very good point. I mean, in many ways, um, I guess you can tell that's the way I'm. I'm that's the approach I'm having with this podcast, right? Like trying to have not like one episode a week, but one episode a month, when I just get people that I they're interesting. Uh, thank you. We will definitely uh, link out Bosco di Artemisia, which, by the way, for you Anglophones listening to this, it means Ar Artemisia's woods. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's uh, that's the way you would describe. There's another thing that you do, and it, it's that's a question that comes from Logan here. Uh, you create drums and ritual tool, like you 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 make them from scratch, right? Yeah. So if you can tell us a little bit how you started crafting crafting this, what would even moved you to provide this service, and also what ad, what advice, what advices you would provide to others to, that craft their own tools? I mean, this is a, maybe it's maybe a big question, but uh craft tool, tools is tools is something that everybody loves i mean that's why one yeah. of the reason why a lot of people get into magic to have like a nice sword and make it, <laughs> uh or i don't know a nice wand a nice and especially like drums i mean of course drums. that's very freudian of you well <laughs> well <laughs> let's not go there um this is gonna be this is definitely a pg-13 episode tonight. <laughs> uh what so tell us about the, how how you come to ritual craft uh, ritual tool crafting and drums to mm. uh, well, that's very simple. Like, you know, uh, I wanted to make my own drum. I wanted to make it myself also because I have had very strange requirements and uh, I wouldn't want to ask them to anybody else. And uh, what, what, what requirements? I'm not going to tell you. Um, and so uh, I have, I am very lucky because my, my husband is one of those people, you know, we, we say in Italy was golden hands. Like uh, he can learn to do pretty much everything when it's, um, you know, handmade. And uh, we tried to learn together how to make these drums more than 10 years ago. And uh, we really liked the process. So we started uh, doing them for us. And then, you know how it is, friends asked us. And uh, um, 
like I like crafting ritual tools in general, but I think that drums are really my my favorite because it's really an act of witchcraft, you know. Yeah. And uh, I never was one of those people who feel the struggle between doing and studying. You know, when I study something, I also want to do it, and same goes. So, uh, like. I can't explain it to you, but, you know, it's very down and dirty. You get your hands uh, into what is essentially dead skin, you know, and you put it inside the water and it really smells, you know, like dead animals. <laughs> it really smells like the wild. And at the same time, a finished drum... Mm, like the thing that I really love is that um, people come to me uh, telling me about, I don't know, the visions they had or the experiences they had, uh, whatever you want to call them, depending on the path they are on, you know, mm -hmm. and their vocabulary. And what I do is I try to give a body, you know, to what their experiences were, to the spirit that they have already got in touch with. That, that is already in touch with them and that just needs a physical body. And that is the process. It's very myotical, you would yeah, say. Yeah. Um, and right now I am like, it, of course, it's very time consuming. And uh, so that's why I am only uh, keeping, you know, this part. I am reducing and working only with the uh, custom made order because that's the part that i really that i, I mean really of course love. i can imagine like if you, you it would be almost impossible to just i guess conjure any spirit like to do a series of drums right i mean maybe it's yeah no, i mean uh, you know it's possible but they would be spirits that are just how can i say that are in touch with me you know and that are not necessarily going to find the right person for them yeah absolutely i get it i get it and uh, also, I am not interested. Like, we, of course, especially at first, we received uh, many requests from people asking to get that drum in that native style and so on and so on, or drums with just awful, awful designs on them, like <laughs> pop stuff. <laughs> uh, but we, we don't do that. Like, uh, for example, I, I refuse to do drums that have designs or, you know, that take from symbolism that comes from uh, still alive, still thriving indigenous traditions. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, there are lots of artisans that can do that, that for you cool, and that yeah. can make justice to that culture, which is not, it's not mine, you know? Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. No, no, I get it. Um, it's, it's good to have a, this kind of approach uh, because, I mean, I've, the cult world is full of, um, let's say, charlatans, let's put it like that. So. One final question for you tonight, uh, and this is from Peter. Um, <laughs> I love Peter because Peter's questions are always uh, uh, interesting. <laughs> so if you could travel through space and time to participate or observe magical rituals at one place and time in the ancient world, what would you pick? Oh, that's very hard. <laughs> uh, also because, you know, uh, of course, as a person with the training in history, uh, you always think about, you don't have this idealized, uh, 
idea of the past and so you always think about the pitifuls of <laughs> where, where am time. i going into the past where i'm i'm less likely to be killed for exactly. any reason <laughs> or, to, or to be raped or yeah, exactly. to die of childbirth um oh that's very hard uh on the one hand um hmm you know on the one hand one of the um historical periods that have always very deeply fascinated me is the what is actually the hotbed of uh, the magical culture that we know today which is the first century uh, CE mm -hmm. when the um, when there was all this renaissance of grimoires and so I guess that I would choose either first century CE in Alexandria, you know, in Egypt. Um, but at the same time, my heart also tells me that I would dearly, dearly, dearly loved to go and uh, participate to the um, very famous orgies that were kept by the daughter of um, Augusto, Ottaviano Augusto, so Augustus. In, in Rome, and she's also my namesake, you know, uh, mm -hmm. she's Julia, and, and so... <laughs> I, can see, I can see, I can see the, uh, the, the Lupercalia yeah. <laughs> and the Saturday. Yeah, that could be, it could be an interesting thing. You know, it's funny because I was thinking about it myself, and I was, I was being boring, actually, because I was thinking about the Eleusinian mysteries, but, mm. but then again, we know nothing about them, so possibly I, put, I was putting yeah. myself into a very, uh, in a danger zone. Or I don't know. Maybe it would be it would be nice to see uh, the the rituals of the Golden Dawn as well as they were doing. But that's because it's, you know that's my, my yeah. Background, I would say uh, I don't know. Up until we don't get uh, a proper way of traveling in the past or in the future, but we don't know anything about the future. Anyway, I'm thinking about the fact that the, the future doesn't look so bright, right? <laughs> right now. So. <laughs> but right now, not so much. Anyway, Julia, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Uh, once again, where can people find you? Well, they can find me, of course, on uh, social media, like I am on Facebook with my own name, so Julia Turolla, but uh, also with uh, uh, the name of my website, which is Bosco, Bosco de Tunisia. Yeah, and also on Instagram and uh, on my website. And uh, if people want to get in touch with me, they can also get in touch with me at the email that is listed in my website. Fantastic. I will I will link all of them uh, because again, Bosco di Artemisia makes sense for us, but not so much for the listeners. So I would say, please go in and take a look at Julia's website. Uh, it's fantastic. She's offering something that no one else is offering. The kind of the kind of like courses you're offering right now, I haven't seen anybody doing. So if you're interested into this in very very beautiful, uh, you know, Venn diagram of magic and history and archaeology, that's the place to be. Once again, thank you, Julia, for being with us tonight. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, having me. Uh, see you at the next Rumble.